Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Do you believe that everyone has a purpose? Like, not to be no Bible-thumping grandbaby, but do you believe that God literally has a gift that is embedded in everyone's life and their soul and their spirit and all the above, that everyone has a specified, customized, unique purpose and plan for them to go ahead and execute into the world, that everyone has something that they are supposed to be doing, that everyone was created to solve a specified problem, that everyone has a gift that they're supposed to discover and share with the world. Do you believe that? I believe that. And I believe that so wholeheartedly that I am walking it out. But I think it's because I believe that wholeheartedly that I'm seeing different perspectives of that. Because I'm starting to notice that people either fall in a couple of categories. One are the people who are aware of their gifting. They just don't know which way or what path or which gift they're supposed to go ahead and really give attention to. There's other people that they know they're supposed to be doing something. They don't really know exactly what that is, but they definitely know it's not the job that they're working out. <laughs> okay, great. Um, there are some people that is just like, mm, I, I think I have something, but not enough to go out and presented to the world yet because I haven't refined it or there's some people that are still in the self-discovery path that they're like listen I don't exactly know um and I'm not in a rush to kind of find out and you know that's just what it is and whatever the category is that someone falls into I just want to go ahead and, and preface it by saying no one knew exactly what they were called to do from the from the inception except Jesus Jesus was the only one that was 12 years old, talk, lost, and talking about, uh, you should have known that I was going to be about my father's business. Why you didn't check here first? I don't care that y'all couldn't find me for three days. Have a nice day. <laughs> Shouts out to Mary for not slapping him, but it's kind of crazy. You can't slap your savior, so I don't know how that works, but God bless her um, for knowing what not to do. Um, touch not the anointing, okay, right? But uh, I, I just... He's the only person that knew from the inception, this is what I'm going to be. He's the only person that their parents were very aware. This is what this, the purpose of this baby is going to be. This is how you cater to him. This is how you carry him. This is how you protect him. This is how, and my gosh, how our lives would look if we literally had that particular covering. If we had that kind of insight. Imagine knowing exactly what you were called to do, exactly when the ministry was going to take place, exactly when you were going to get picked up by that record label, exactly when your art was going to take off, exactly when your gifting was going to be at its prime that God can actually go ahead and, and promote you now. Like, oh my goodness, if, if we just knew, I mean, how much easier would the path be? You understand? And I was finding myself having a conversation with someone and I was it, it was equipped to deflate me, but it actually encouraged me. I feel like when people see others walking out their gift, they are almost prone to want to give their insight and their opinion, even if not asked. It's amazing how the human mind works. <laughs> I didn't, did you hear a question when I talked? To, I didn't ask you a question. So why did you feel the need to give me an answer I didn't ask for? Okay.
Okay, great. And the person was essentially letting me know that she felt that I should have walked a particular path a little bit differently. And while everyone, everyone is entitled to however they feel, everyone is entitled to however they feel, I am not entitled to be led by everyone. Yeah, I had decided to live a life for a party of one. As long as I know that I'm doing some things that I hear from God and that God is leading me, I would love for there to be a crowd, but I'd much rather hear from Christ. I'd much rather go ahead and hear the coordinates to my calling. I'd much rather. I don't care if I don't hear anyone clapping for me as long as I know that God is leading me. And that is, that's not even feel-good music. That's literally what I am living by. That's not even a staple that I want to put in a Hallmark card and sell. That is literally, literally my perspective in life. It's like God or nothing at this point because I have tried everything to get to my promise, to get to what I thought satisfaction would be, to get to what I thought joy would be. I have tried eat all the above and nothing works. So you know what? I lay down everything that is earthly, everything that was my plan. I sacrificed it. I lay it to the altar and I'm turning to God like however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it. I'm not in no rush. It's however you want to do it. I'm just going to give you my yes and my amen. And you know what? Not even seeing truthfully a whole bunch of different changes except the changes that are happening in me I wish I would have done this quicker I wish I would have done this quicker I would have felt this level of joy and peace I would have done this eons ago and I remember hanging up that phone call that I had and I was like dang you can't tell everyone everything. And that's a shame because it's not like you're posting everything on your social media platform of choice. It's not like you're airing it out to people who you know don't care about you or that you're kind of unknowing of how they feel about you. You're literally telling people that you're like, yo, I'm only putting your these words to your ears because for whatever the reason, you know, we're close enough. I trust you or whatever the case may be. But it's like when it starts to get narrow, on who you can share with, on who you can tell. It starts to get to the point that you're like, man. And I remember saying, I feel like as much as I want people or whoever I decide to tell to clap for me on the climb up, I'm going to have to keep my silence until I get to the stage. I'm literally going to have to withhold what God is doing for me, what he's doing through me, the transformation, the E, all the above. And I'm just going to have to sow, work, pray, do all the things that I'm supposed to do according to what God, when he wants me to do it. And people will see it once the fruit is on display, once it's ripe for the picking. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And immediately I said, you know what? I, I got to kind of look at Joseph and his story and have it where I understand that there is protection in being silent, that you can't tell everybody everything, that you can't have 
like, oh, I know you're excited. I know you want to say, yo, I think I found the one. I know you want to say, you know what? I know we haven't been dating long, but I think he's going to propose. Oh, you know what? I know we haven't been dating long, but I think she's my wife. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I know I haven't been working at this company for a long time, but I really feel like this is the one that I want to kind of like grow roots in. You know what? I know this is just a visit, but I really feel like I want to relocate here. And we get these inklings and the inklings get exciting meant out of us. And the reason why we're getting excited is because it's from God. Anything that literally lights you up like that, that is of moral standard and of decency is God. The reason why you feel that level of, oh my goodness, and this joy is because it is from God. And so when people come with their Eeyore, I got to find my tail kind of cloud over your life, that is not of God. Do not allow people to cloud the picnic that God implanted in you. Do not allow people to go ahead and change the forecast of your excitement. And I know that that is easier said than done, but we got to get to the place that we like, listen, if I got to have this picnic alone, I'm not going to miss the fact that God is literally leading me somewhere that I've never been, that I'm experiencing something that does not come dime a dozen. I'm going to have to be okay with the crowd not necessarily cheering for me now. But maybe that just makes it more room for God to go ahead and make it a sold-out stadium situation for me. Who knows? But everyone, everyone proverbially is working up the steps to get to the stage of their life. That is the promise that God has on you. That is the calling that God has placed on you. That is the promised land that God literally has made just for you. And while we are climbing each step and we are learning what to take and learning what not to take, I literally feel like the steps are there on purpose so that we can start to see that certain people can't go. Certain characteristics can't stay. Certain mindsets and perspectives have to be shifted like as we're climbing we're reaching new altitudes we're reaching new levels we're reaching new people we're seeing new things we we see things on step five that we didn't see on step one it's like oh had I known this I would have wore different shoes had I known this I would have studied different had I known this I would have never dated such and such had and all of that is not for it to be breeding ground for regret it's to be breeding ground for I want you to prepare different I want you to think different I want you to continue to come to me for the coordinates of the next steps because every step requires a different part of you. Every step requires for you to actually think and see and act different. And not that he's trying to make you a completely different person, but he's trying to perfect you because there's parts of you that can't go to this next level. And when you start to really hone in on that and you're like, okay, I am being perfected from my promise. God is not looking at me like, oh, I got so much to do within her. I got so much to shape within him. He's not looking at you in that way. He's looking at you like, "Mm, this is going to be great. I just need to go ahead and remodel some parts of that. And God showed that to me today. And it was so overwhelmingly beautiful when he showed me. He said, everyone wants me to expand their territory. But what people don't understand is that, yeah, you understand that new wine has to go in new wine skin and that old wine can't. We understand that it can't mix and we get all that. But what you don't understand is that I have no desire as God to expand on territory when I know that what I'm expanding from actually needs some rehabilitation. 
If this three-bedroom house, two-and-a-half-bath, basement, blah, blah, blah house is what I'm going to be expanding from, I need to make sure that this house and the foundation and all parts of it are strong enough, are in the proper state enough so that when I expand from it, it literally is an addition to and not something that is should have never been added on to that. Yeah, you can kind of tell sometimes, like, why did they build on that one? They should have just did a demolition situation and just built from scratch a whole thing through. But when it's a sturdy foundation, when the house is already in value and you just add another part of whatever, another garage, another wing, and a guest house or whatever, it just looks like, oh, the value of this entire establishment has gone up. But if you go ahead and allow God to add to what literally needs to be diminished and subtracted from, that's not actually expanding your territory. So when you ask God, give me so much that I have no room to fill, give me abundance, expand my territory, blah, 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 what you're actually low-key asking and should be looking for is examine any part of the house of me, the house of my life that cannot go to this next stage and do what you will, Lord. I don't care if you need to knock down walls in me. I don't care if you need to go ahead and gut out that particular bathroom. I don't care whatever needs to be done. Just make sure that when you add to me, it literally looks like one piece and it doesn't look like the old parts of me with the new part of me and the two don't flow together. I am at a state And I'm at a stage in my life where I'm willing to do whatever God wants to do. I'm willing to give him the space to do whatever he needs to do because I understand that when he takes me there, I want to look like the way that he needs me to look like so that I can sustain the blessing. I don't want to get expanded. And it's like, oh, he really should have did something with that roof first because that roof is about 40 years old. So like, you know, like I don't want that. I want the whole property to be raised in value, not just a portion of me. You understand? And so with having that conversation and thinking about, you know, different things in the Bible, I was like, I wonder what Joseph had withheld what he told his brothers about the dream and all that, if he knew that he would have ended up in the pit. And unbeknownst to me, after reading about Joseph again, I was like, hold on. I see something completely different that I haven't seen before. Because again, when God is bringing you to another level, and this is the living word, you see things that you never saw before. So I was like, I, I don't even want to give a spoiler. I want to go ahead and read it with you. So let's read Genesis 37. You know, I read from the NLT version. Let's just start from verse one. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. Two, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Billa and Zipha. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Three, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Four, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. 
they couldn't say a kind word to him. Five, one night, Joseph had a dream. And when he had told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Six, listen to this dream, he said. Seven, we were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Eight, his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because his dreams and the way he talked about them. Nine, soon Joseph had another dream and he again told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Ten, this time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? 11. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered about the dream, what the dreams meant. Pause. You know what I picked up that I haven't picked up before? Bruh. All Joseph did was tell them the dream. The first dream was, in verse 7, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Eight, his brothers responded, so you think you would be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Nine, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Ten, this time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers but his father scolded him what kind of dream is that he asked will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you pause Joseph never interpreted his dreams and what it meant Joseph simply told his brothers and then later on his brothers and his father what the dream was his brothers for the first dream had the prophetic gift of dream interpretation. And they were able to dissect the anointing in Joseph's dream. Joseph never said, yo, guess what? I had this dream and y'all going to bow before me and I'm going to be the king and I'm going to be blah, blah, blah. But he just came to them like, yo, I had this dream. It was kind of crazy. We were out in the field and the bundles and da, da, da. Oh, you think you're going to be our king? And I, I was like, wait a minute. Let me read what the brother said again in verse eight. So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you think you actually will reign over us? Okay, let me go back up to see what Joseph said for them to say that. Verse seven. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Sir, he didn't say that. And then the question came to me, did Joseph even know that? Was Joseph a victim of being anointed but yet clueless? Was Joseph, I, I dare to say, can I step out on, on faith and say this? I don't think Joseph knew that his dream meant that. Because low key, you already knew your brothers weren't feeling you. 
You know that you was tattletelling in the name of Jesus, okay? You was telling you what they were doing. You was they already your half brothers. Y'all don't share the same blood all the way. I just got the same daddy. Have a nice day. Your daddy is giving you preferential treatment. He's giving you the gift of the coat and the robe, and so all of it. You know they don't like you. I would like to believe that even though the Bible illustrated him to be seventeen years old, I would like to believe that he had sense enough that he wouldn't have told his brothers something to add more fuel to the fire. So. Why would he tell his brothers his dream if he low-key didn't even know what it meant? So I think it was like, oh, because after that, what did Joseph do again? The very next verse after his brother saw nine. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. He said, the sun, the moon, 11 stars bowed below before me. But then guess what? 10, this time he told his dreams to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is this? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow before you? And you know what I didn't read? That any time Joseph was like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I think Buddy was just as shocked. Like, really? Because the Bible doesn't illustrate that he said anything else. The Bible doesn't document that he's trying to refute. The Bible doesn't show that he's trying to go ahead and like, no, 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 no. I I don't, I, I think he actually was like, God, seriously? Cause I'm the youngest. So that's like out of order. So like, I don't, wow. And the first time I told my brothers a dream, it didn't go so well. So the next time I have a dream like this, Maybe he needed confirmation. Who knows? Maybe I, when I have another dream like this, I, I'm telling my brothers, but my daddy going to have to be around because the first time my brothers didn't respond. They didn't respond well. They had a little attitude about them. I'm like, oh, why y'all so salty? Like, I just went to sleep. Like, what you want me to do? I didn't draw this up. I didn't say, you know what? When I get older, this is what I want. I'm literally waking up like, yeah. <gasps> that was crazy. That dream was amazing. And I know I made you yarn. Because it's contagious, whatever. But, you know, he just woke up and was like, you know, that dream was crazy. Let me tell you about the dream that I had. And then y'all gave him something he wasn't expecting. You know how I know he wasn't expecting it? Because he didn't reply. I'm, I'm sure he was just as baffled, like, hmm? And then for the dream to happen a second time, a.k.a. confirmation from the Lord, it's like, dang, my father's saying the same thing. But he's also just as angry as my brothers were when I told him the first time, when I told them the first time. So, like, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe there's some truth to, I don't know, maybe God chose me for a time such as this. But you know what got me angry? And I wasn't going to do this part, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Verse 11. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Verse 12. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pastor their father's flocks at Shechem 13. When they had gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pastoring the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go. Joseph replied 14. Go and see how your brothers are and the flocks are getting along. Jacob said, then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. I'm going to skip down. 18. 
When his brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. 19. Here comes the dreamer, they said. 20. Come on. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Pause. Not only is Joseph anointed and clueless, but Jacob is just as clueless about uh, Joseph's anointing. Jacob, you know that Joseph is not well liked among the community, okay, of his brothers. You know, the Bible already illustrates Joseph to be a tattletale in the name of Jesus. Okay. It literally says in verse two, at the end, he worked for his half brothers, but Joseph reported to his father, some of the bad things his brothers were doing. And so, because you gave him preferential treatment, it, it didn't really go so well. It was like some sibling rivalry. Just, just, you know, it wasn't hitting so far. So it was a lot going on in the community, but why on earth would you go ahead and send this boy who is not only favored by you, but also clearly favored by God. Why would you then send him out to his brothers in a faraway situation? And that's the problem. When God shows you something is special, when God shows you that something is set apart, when God shows you someone's insight to their covering or their calling, you're supposed to cover them differently. How dare you treat Joseph like he's just a regular son? How dare you just treat his dreams like, oh, you know, it's a regular dream. Like God literally gave you insight to this boy's anointing and you still carried on to cover him in such a clueless matter that you not only sent him far away to people who don't care about him, but you literally sent him to a death trap. Because literally, I don't know how much time passed, but for them to say, oh, here comes this dreamer. Y'all plan to do all this because of his dreams, because of the anointing God placed on him, because of the calling that God has on him, because of the purpose that he has on him. And if you don't know that how the story pans out it literally fast forward, this whole entire calling was to save his family from a famine. There was no food where they were at. So God had to literally allow some things to happen to position Joseph to be second in command so that he can go ahead and give insight on how to go ahead and uh, store the food where he was at. And so that when his brothers got insight, like, yo, there's no food there. Maybe we should go over here. They didn't even know Joseph was already over this, putting things away because of the insight that God gave him because of the calling that God placed on his life because of the anointing that y'all were clueless on. And so I literally seen this so different that I'm like, yo, you can't depend on other people to treat you differently according to the anointing that God has placed within you, on you, and around you. You have got to take responsibility and you cannot afford to be clueless to your anointing. When God literally anoints you, newsflash, it's probably going to make some people that you want to clap for you angry. It's probably going to have an adverse emotional response from the people around you than what you initially dreamed of or wanted to or intended. He told his dreams to his brothers. They were angry. He told his dreams to his father. His father scolded him. 
Why y'all so angry on how to on on the dreams that this boy is having? <laughs> but more importantly, why are you clueless to the fact that y'all just low key got the prophetic gift and you did a dream interpretation? He didn't even know about it. Why didn't anyone pause and say, "Wait, he didn't actually say that we were going to be serving him. We we just saw into the prophetic on that." That's why a lot of the times when God anoints, he anoints in private. When God calls you, he calls you in private. When God is trying to get you to go to a particular place, even down to when it came to um, Saul turning into Paul, that whole Damascus moment, even the people around him said they heard a voice, but they couldn't figure out what was being said. Because when God is calling you, it's not for everybody to understand. It's not for everybody to be like, no, I was there. God said A, B, and C. Not, no, not at all. Okay, great. And that should show you right there. Even in that open, public, domestic moment, they couldn't hear Jesus speaking to who was now Paul. They couldn't hear verbatim what was said to him. They could see the after effects. Like, okay, buddy was seen a couple of minutes ago. He can't see. No, because you know what? She was working that job, but now she's not working that job. No, he was on that path, but now he's been a little bit different. No, I can't really pinpoint what happened or what was said or what was done in their lives. I can just tell that something is different. And most of the time, that's what it is. People see something different on you. They see something different working within you. And they are clueless to that, but they can definitely identify there's something anointed about you. Whether they can use those particular words or not, whether they can use that particular verbiage or have that spiritual insight or not, people are not clueless to your anointing. They're just clueless on how to cover that. They're just clueless on how to go ahead and support that. They're just clueless on what their role is in your calling. And nine times out of 10, it's just move out the way. Let God lead to the next level without your words being attached to it. Let people freely get spirit led without you putting something in their head. Let people just have the freedom to discover their gift. Because most of the time they have to unpack it. They have to dissect it. They have to sit with it. They have to clothe themselves in it. They have to get used to the gift. They have to learn, oh, okay, so this is, they have to learn the cheat codes and the hacks and go back to God. Like, wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go back to the manufacturer on this one because I don't necessarily know how to use this here. Let people have the room to unpack, discover E or the above before you come and start adding your emotionalism into the chat. It is not fair for you to think that you can come alongside someone who's in a state of discovery and not think that when you add something, you actually have the potential to discourage them. The best thing that you can do for someone is excuse yourself. And say, if that's the way that you feel like God is leading you, then I pray the best. And not in a condescending way. Just move to the side and let people discover their own anointing and their own gifts so that they can use it in a way that benefits the people that God assigned for them to benefit. Do you understand that? What is my challenge to you? My challenge to you is to be brave enough to sit with your anointing with your gift so that you don't fall victim to being clueless to it. And if you're on the other side of that 
and you're watching someone walk out something that you don't particularly understand because you're clueless, please don't infect their anointing because it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the future you. Do you understand that? But all right, listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm, definitely did. You know what these conversations are, though, right? Right. They are life provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you. But who your favorite home girl? You understand? Uh, have you been looking at the YouTube channel created the number two multiply? Have you been looking into that on YouTube? Have you been looking at the website created to multiply dot com? OK, then you got a website to go to, don't you? And you know about the Patreon, the text and the blog community on Patreon for Strive, the in, okay, inspire, Strive in, inspire, the letter in, nothing else in the middle, just in, inspire. Um, that's on Patreon. And listen, all the things are doing, all the things, because I'm out here doing the things that need to be done. You understand? I'm being obedient. I will not miss it. I will not be clueless to my anointing. And that's what all roads are leading to. And I want you to get with it so you don't have to get lost so that we can find each other at the end and celebrate the bravery that it took to get here. You understand? But okay, you got a website and some other stuff to get to, so I'll talk to you later, okay? I sure will. Okay, don't look at me crazy. We'll talk later. All right, (laughs) later.